Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find all your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life journey with our mentors. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which can be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors, well, they may provide the roadmap for your journey. Each week, I will be interviewing those tennis coaches who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. They have authored books and papers on tennis, and they continue to give back today. Who are these mentors you will hear each Thursday? Well, on the first Thursday, you'll hear Alan Fox. The second Thursday, Chuck Greasy. The third Thursday is Dr. John Murray. The fourth Thursday will either be Linda LeClaire or Scott Williams. And on those fifth Thursdays of the month, well, stay tuned. You'll see who joins our mentors. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball Network CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our tennis network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you are missing out on useful information. The nice thing about Block Talk Radio is that if you can't tune in live, you can listen whenever you choose. I seldom listen to Wednesday's Chuck Reese American Tennis Live. Matter of fact, I didn't listen to yesterday's yet, but I always listen to the broadcast. And because I believe Dr. King when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, Time permitting each week, I will add my personal views on North American tennis, and naturally, you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. Before we get to our outstanding legend and uh, mentor today, Dr. Alan Fox, I would like to uh, take a couple minutes to uh, go through a uh, our experience this past weekend at the Florida Athletic Coaches Association uh, tennis training for high school uh, tennis coaches. Uh, I've, you heard me uh, talk a few weeks ago about uh, the wonderful experience uh, Bobby and I had a few months ago uh, at the uh, USTA National uh, Campus and. Uh, like I said then, more impressed than with the national campus facilities, which is very impressive. I was even more impressed when uh, Chris uh, Mike Kowalski, he's the director of, of experimental learning, and his boss, Scott Schultz, invited us up there and about questions about the direction of uh, high school tennis and what the USTA could do. And uh, like I said, then uh, I'm very, very impressed. Uh, this weekend, you couldn't help but to be impressed. The challenges that were going on at the national campus with the 18s and under uh, team tennis uh, championships going on, all the activities, uh, bad weather, uh, and, and the people there were just outstanding. I especially like to... Uh, Thank uh, Josh Bramblett. He's the group um, coordinator uh, for the national campus. And Jenna Kelly, who we've been, I've been working with for the last couple of years, uh, scheduling uh, the FACA uh, training uh, at the uh, campus uh, this year. It's something that everybody should see. And uh, uh, like I said, I'm, uh, as, as impressive as the campus is, I'm even more impressed with the people that are there. The uh, weekend uh, was a mixed weekend uh, for a couple of reasons, and maybe at the uh, end of this broadcast, uh, time uh, permitting, I will go through some of uh, the problems uh, that uh, we had. But um, I would say this here, I have to thank um, the presenters. I've been blessed uh, doing this for a number of years, and I've always been blessed 
to bring outstanding talent in, and this year was no exception. And we started off the uh, conference uh, like we always do on Thursday. Uh, we we tried things differently. We tried starting later because we know some of the coaches have a hard time getting out of school and, of course, fighting the recent hurricanes, uh, school starting at different times. Uh, we had many challenges, but Thursday, uh, although the crowd was smaller than we would have liked, we uh, started off with our recommendations to the FACA uh, state, um, FACA executive director, Sean Cruz, as far as recommendations for next year, which would be presented in front of the FHSAA, uh, although I don't know how good that really does. That uh, I'll probably get to that topic at the end of this show. Um, it's been a disappointment, but that's another story. But uh, we followed that with uh, John Posner, Mike Kypris, Tony came in, well, I'm sorry, Tony came and wasn't there, and myself, uh, doing a season coaching, helping new coaches. The four of us uh, were actually uh, blessed to be able to be inductees into the FHS TCA uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, Mike Kypris and Tony came in, uh, joined John Postner and I uh, this year. Tony came in, unfortunately, had uh, massive damage at his home. It, it's just been a bad month for him. Uh, his uh, wife's brother, unfortunately, passed away. They were in Tennessee uh, trying to be supportive there. And by the time they got back uh, the Sunday before the uh, Workshop, he had to cancel out because of um, the uh, damage to uh, his house. But I'm sure he'll recover. I know what he went through. Uh, Bobby and I went through it after uh, the 2004 hurricane. Uh, but the um, Almighty yeah, will take care of him and we'll get things done. The, the, the session was a very good session. It was a little different than most sessions that – I've been to, and quite frankly, being this was my last uh, tournament as uh, the FACA uh, Florida State Tennis Chairman, uh, I took advantage of one of my dislikes, and I just I hate going to workshops where they have a 55-minute session and they have uh, 52 minutes of uh, talking to you, and then you have three minutes of questions and answers. That always said to me that you really don't care what I have to say or my questions. So we did it a little different. We started at 5 o'clock, and um, 5 to 6 o'clock, the three of us did presentations, did things that we felt could be helpful for the newer coaches, uh, helping them get established. Uh, developing their own policies, developing their own agenda for what they're looking to do. And then uh, we went to dinner. Uh, naturally, we stood close by. The one nice thing about the Florida Mall is there's all kinds of locations you can eat there. And we went to dinner. We returned at 7.30. And from 7.30 to 8.30, we were scheduled for the attendees of the, the previous hour to ask us questions, and we would try to answer their questions and to bring up topics that they wanted to talk about. Uh, well, like I said, it was a smaller crowd than we had hoped for, but the great thing was that although we were supposed to end at 8.30, um, most of the people stood there until 9 o'clock at night with their questions and Quite frankly, we would have stayed there even longer, but uh, it was nice to see the enthusiasm of such a great group of coaches. And it's these coaches that uh, high school tennis really needs. On Friday, we moved to Lake Nanona, the USTA campus. We were hoping to uh, videotape the presentations. Uh, Chris had some problems with... Uh, we getting the interns in, and then we had intermediate rain going on. Uh, but uh, we might come up with something in the future, so stay tuned. Uh, Chris and I had the discussions. I, I know that 
Uh, I, I'm really uh, excited about uh, the possibility of experimental learning, and I think the USTA can offer high school tennis something finally there, and um, we will see. Uh, we will talk later on. But the workshop on Saturday started with uh, newly elected um, uh, Mike Kuypers to the FHSTCA Hall of Fame. Uh, he's the NHSAA tennis chairman, and because uh, his drills uh, were about doubles, it was double drills for state championship. And if anybody knows about state championships, uh, Mike knows about them because he has the most FHSAA uh, tennis championships of anybody in uh, the state of Florida. Uh, he after he was there. Uh, Todd Rubenstein, uh, USPTA Elite Pro uh, High School Tennis uh, Coach, and the U.S. Uh, head coach uh, for uh, USA uh, team uh, that went to uh, Israel. And I must say, uh, he did an outstanding job uh, while he was over there ensuring. Uh, the photos and experience on Facebook. Uh, those of you that are interested might uh, go to his site to uh, see that. His topic was high school tennis drills, and he uh, actually, uh, being we had a, uh, a little open time, uh, he also uh, included having positive, having a positive team culture. Uh, outstanding presentation. Uh, I thank you, Todd, very much for what you're doing. We went to um, lunch, and then we returned at um, what Ashley Hobson. He's the tennis director of Inspiration Academy. And um, he, uh, for those of you that don't know him, uh, he's a special individual with over 30 years of ATP, WTA, ITF coaching experience in over 60 uh, countries. Uh, he's been considered by many as one of the top uh, trainers in the world. And uh, Hobson was both a tennis and Federation Cup coach uh, with Hong Kong and China national team for five years and uh, which is even more impressive to me. He places about 90% of his students uh, to a college level. And uh, as you know, uh, I'm a believer that uh, competition is not a bad word. So this year we had uh, sat there and built the uh, workshop around Ashley. Like last year we built it, uh, I built it around uh, the legendary uh, college coach Chuck Reesey. And um, the rest of the uh, day were all presentations uh, by um, Ashley. Uh, we went, to, well, we actually changed the, the schedule around a little because we were fighting rain Saturday. It looked like worse rain, and it turned out we did get worse rain. So we were trying to figure out what we could do indoor, what we could do outdoor. And Ashley, uh, being uh, the master that he is, uh, got all five topics in, which were uh, uh, coaching from inside out, the fundamentals of tennis technique, uh, mental toughness uh, routines, uh, uh, movement for tennis, and um, which he believes are the four intangibles in coaching uh, effectiveness. Uh, I would like to especially thank Joe. Uh, he brought up two of his students from uh, the, the Inspiration Academy in Bradenton. And those of you that haven't been to that school, um, I've been blessed to be able to attend there, uh, not as a student. It wasn't, uh, <laughs> it wasn't there when I went to school. But uh, it's just uh, an impressive place. And he brought up, and I'm going to kill their names, but I'll tell you, their uh, Inspiration Academy should be very proud of them. They did an excellent job for us. It's Zonkoko, Z-V-O-N-K-O, Bencentic, 
P-E-N-C-E-D-I-C, and Leonardo Tapu, D-U-P-L-O-O-Y. I probably killed that, too. But he brought both of those uh, boys from the um, academy with him, and I'll tell you, just uh, I'm not, I don't know if they're going to be uh, tennis uh, legends or not, but I know they're especially uh, individuals, and I'm sure uh, Ashley. And there's a reason Ashley brought them there too. Which is the other great thing about when you talk about, in my opinion, players that are ready to go to the next level. He explained to us, and he, uh, they told them previously why he was taking the two of them, because they were at different levels, and you could see that. And, but they each had what their strengths, and you can you could see their strengths, but unless you were an experienced coach, you probably didn't pick up in that environment uh, things that they had to work out. And he explained what they were. Uh, so it really turned out to be a blessing there. So I do see, I would, the time permitting, I will talk afterwards about uh, what I'm not uh, happy about uh, the weekend. Uh, like I said, most of it was very rewarding. I am uh, blessed to uh, uh, be able to have the great presenters that were there. But uh, if time permits, uh, there are some things I want to talk about after. But right now... I do see that uh, our guest today is here. And as you know, being it's the first um, Thursday of the month, that means that uh, author, speaker, consultant, uh, God, I could go on and on, uh, NCAA, uh, former champion, woman in quarter finalist, uh, three-time U.S. Davis uh, Cup team. Uh, and, of course, which I think is, so important, uh, you know, the development of Pepperdine tennis uh, and bringing them to two NCAA finals because when he went there, uh, Pepperdine wasn't the power that it is now. And uh, uh, I, I do think it, it, naturally it takes special talent to do these things, but I also think it takes a special coach to do that. So I do have uh, – Alan on the uh, phone right now. Uh, let me just get him in. Alan, are you there? I'm here. How does? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, I suppose the uh, most of the audience uh, probably knows about your three major books: uh, Winning Mental, uh, The Mental Match, and uh, The Winner Mine, and uh, think to win, uh, but uh, today we're going to take up a little different uh, subject, but I do recommend that you go to um, Alan Fox's site. Um, I think all three of those books are still available, aren't they, Alan? They are. Um, they're available uh, at Tennis Warehouse and, mm -hmm. and on my website at alanfoxtennis.net. And um, Amazon, I believe, uh, I believe they're all they're all there. So uh, if you have a problem, you can go to my website, and uh, I will try to facilitate. Uh, anyway, uh, th okay. thank you for the uh, for the promos on the books. Yeah, they're 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 all three different, by the way. The tennis, winning the mental matches, is just about the mental side of tennis all the emotional issues that hit you on the court. Uh, the Winner's Mind is a book on achievement, and it uses tennis but other sports and business and personal uh, examples uh, for how to get what you want. And uh, Think to Win is basically a strategy strokes book. So that's the difference. Anyway, uh, excuse me, John, for uh, slipping uh, that information in, but I... No, Whatever. thank you. Just, That's very important. This this is your show today, Ellen. I was just going to say, uh, I don't know if, uh, 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 hopefully the Florida Tennis Magazine is sending you the magazines out there, but in the, I think it was the last uh, June-July issue, I uh, wrote on the, 
what I consider the architects of tennis coaching, and uh, because being we developed the uh, uh, certification program for the Florida high school tennis coaches, people often say, where did that come from? Where did you get your insight? You know, you were a uh, basketball coach, uh, not a uh, uh, tennis coach. You didn't play any uh, uh, college uh, tennis or pro or anything. And uh, like I explained in the article, uh, you know, and I, I wanted to, and I'm not going to go read the article or anything, but to me, uh, being I, with the PTR, I always thought Dennis Van Ember, Vic, uh, Vic Braden, uh, Tim Calloway, Jack Kramer, Bill Talbert, uh, Alan Fox, and Chuck Creasy, they were the people that, I would say, taught me how to coach. They were the people that, you know, reading their books and everything, uh, following them. And then, and then in the article I go on and I explain who I consider the next level of coaches were. And I was so daring, which probably was a mistake, that I went to the next level of coaches, I thought. And uh, there was a lot of um, people saying, you forgot this person and that person. And I did. So I'm not going to go through the whole list again because there's always somebody you, lift, you leave out. But the, the thing that and this broadcast is about is that tennis is, can be to help you with the journey through life. And this is what I consider one of the great – when you read the, uh, Alan Fox's books, you're going to see it's not just – he's talking about tennis many times. But he's taking you on a journey, and to me that's important. But today we're going to go, and his topic is going to be finishing because competition is so important and finishing is hard. And we're going to go into the tennis scoring system. So, Alan, would you like to start there, or would you want to do something else? Sure. No, no, I'm, I'm happy to start out. I would add one thing, and that is, Lurking in the back of my mind, basically, is the 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 game of life. I mean, tennis really, in my mind, uh, is just a game. It, it, it feels more important than it is, but it, it's just a game. Uh, but it's a good analogy for uh, achievement in general and and handling. Uh, situations where you want to get an outcome and and you're not sure if you're going to get it and so there's there's pressures there's emotions uh and tennis is 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 a a great way to learn how to handle them Uh, and as far as the 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 topic of finishing in in my book uh tennis winning the match i have a whole a chapter on finishing and and of course Anyone that's played tennis, or maybe even any other sports, uh, the the choking and the nerves and the pressure comes as you get uh, close to the end, because that's the situation where you're either going to win or you aren't, and 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 so the idea of winning starts to uh, starts to you know fill up your view screen. For instance, when you just start out the match and it's one all. You're, you're you're a long ways away from winning or losing one of the two, uh, and so you know you're, you're, it's easier to focus on just what you're doing, just playing the points and playing the game and and trying to figure out how to hit your your strokes in the court. But as you get to five four in the third on your serve, now you're dealing. The, what starts to enter your mind is the idea of winning the match, and and that's a lot more problematic than just uh, how you perform at one off. W- winning the match now uh, is, is uh, the, the essence of it. And, and, and it feels somewhat like a, uh, 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 a, a character issue. Uh, I think most people in the back of their minds or they've heard that the great players and the winners and the champions they're good under pressure, and, and right when it gets to the most crucial stages, that's when they come through and they win. And, and, and most of us are not champions. And so when we get right to the, to the edge of victory or failure, uh, we're not all that sure. And so 
most of us, and I, I certainly got nervous my share of the time. I had to learn how to handle it when I was when I was nervous. And the finish is is uh, is is where you really feel it. So that that's that's what the the finishing is all about. Uh, and, and, and I imagine aside, every uh, you know, personality on, uh, has different aspects that makes finishing difficult. Or well, what 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 does it? Confidence is is what makes finishing easier. I mean, if you're confident, you think you're going to win mm-hmm. to begin with, uh, or you're a confident person, then finishing isn't so difficult. If you're not confident, then finishing gets tough. Uh, and and uh, confidence is somewhat uh, a general, uh, somewhat general. And there's some people are just probably born more confident than others. Uh, but everybody, uh, when they play somebody that's as good as they are or better than they are, whether you were born confident or you won't, you weren't, uh, you won't be that confident when it comes to finishing them. You will have some concerns, and so. Uh, Confidence is probably the biggest help, but but there's not a tremendous uh, uh, a tremendous amount of things you can do if you're not confident to make yourself confident. You can't force yourself to be confident. That's a whole right. other discussion of which I have a whole other chapter on confidence. But I mean, basically, once you get past the genetic and early upbringing parts, uh, confidence comes from winning. It's sort of a a circular issue. You're, you're confident when you win, and you win when you're confident. So, uh, but if you've taken a bunch of losses, nobody's confident. Off right. we go to uh, to the finishing aspects. And, and and did you want to talk about the scoring system, or did you have a specific? No, I, I uh, think that especially today, there's uh, there's two major discussions going on, and that's. The, um, you know, the UR10 network and trying to bring people together to play. And, of course, the other thing is that uh, they're talking about the scoring system with developing players. So I suspect that a, is a big thing in finishing and uh, making it more difficult. Would you, would you go into that, please? Yeah. I mean, the tennis, the tennis, the regular normal tennis scoring system, is is a very pressure filled system. Uh, it's different than virtually any other sport. I mean, any other sport I can think of. The other sports are all somewhat the same in the way they score, and that is, the points count the same. I mean, a touchdown is six points, and that's it. Uh, and and the pressure only comes really when you get near the end. Uh, but but. Uh, uh, a, a touchdown that you score in the first quarter it doesn't count any more or less than a touchdown you score in the fourth quarter. They're all six points. Uh, but tennis is different. Uh, tennis, the points count differently depending on when you score them. For instance, uh, you could have a match where you play dead even with your opponent and you get to 6-5 in the set and it's your ad, so you have set point. Now, that point is a very important point. If you win that point, you win the entire set. And so your opponent goes back to zero. You have half of a match, and your opponent has nothing. All the effort is all gone as far as the score is concerned. And so that makes that point a lot of pressure. Uh, and, and you get these points all through the set. For instance, Game point, when you get to 40-30, if you win that next point, you win the whole game. And so that's an important point. Uh, the the 15-all point, I mean, they're all important, but the 15-all point is not as important as the 40-30 point. Because you can, if you play a bad point, you can come back from it. You can still win the game. But at 40-30, you play a bad point, and you lose the game. And so... It's like you have these all-or-nothing issues all the way along, and there's the pressure builds, and then the pressure goes down, and then it builds again. I, w- I was thinking, for instance, in basketball. For, uh, you know, there, 
basically the points count the same. I mean, a three from a certain distance, it's three points. Okay, but it's always three points from that distance. In basketball, you could have a similar situation to tennis if you said after every five minutes, the next basket counts ten points. You know, then you suddenly have a lot of pressure on the next basket. Okay, then it would get more important than the basket uh, before, which was only two points or three points. So, uh, and the same thing in football, you could you, you could jack up the pressure by having a touchdown score, you know, ten points uh, from time to time after a given amount of time. Uh, but the analogous situation in tennis to other sports would be when you play like a 10-point baseline game, uh, which a lot of people like to play. You know, you just first one to 10. Now, that actually is, is more fun than a set in a way for most people right. because the points all count the same. Now you're playing a scoring system that's similar to all the other sports. It, there isn't as much pressure. A set is much more pressure than playing a ten-point a ten-point game. So, uh, the scoring system in tennis tends to add to the pressure of it, which a lot of people find very unpleasant. Okay, uh, and 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 you know, people ask me about you know how can I play better in matches or tournaments, and I think to myself, you know, and, and I don't know that people talk about this much but there really isn't any great reason to play tournaments unless you like this pressure uh you don't really win anything all right in a tournament you play these tournaments and so you win the tournament and you get a trophy and you get a ranking uh you if you just take a step back from it you will realize that nobody really cares whether you won the tournament or you didn't okay you win it really for yourself, mostly. And then your your friends, they pat you on the back if you won the tournament, but they really don't care. They couldn't care less, actually. I mean, if they're your friends, they like you anyway, whether you win it or you lose it. Uh, and so I don't see any great reason uh, to play under pressure unless you enjoy playing under pressure. The game is presumably played for fun. And you get exercise. It's a lot of fun hitting the ball and fun kind of figuring out how to win a point. But, uh, you know, getting yourself uh, all pressured and stressed out about the winning, that's the negative part of tennis. Strange. One of the things I think I I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you, but, yeah, I also, uh, after all the uh, major tournaments, one of the things I enjoy most is reading your perception on the uh, players playing that game. And uh, many times you're bringing out things that when a match change, and the reason isn't always stroke. So pressure, uh, if we bring it on ourselves, or if it's a tournament or trying, whatever it is, is there, no? Uh, yes, and 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 I'm not talking about pros. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not advising uh, Roger Federer to just play for fun and stop playing tournaments. I mean, he likes it and he makes a lot of money, and these guys play for a living. Uh, I, I enjoy the the pressure of the pro matches more than the strokes and the shots themselves. I mean, to me, when I'm watching a match, the interesting part is what's going to happen when the guy or the girl serves at 5-4 for the set. That's when they're going to feel the pressure, and that's when I'm, I'm interested to see how they come through. Uh, the interesting parts of the game are going to be game point. I, and, and, by the way, when you're watching, just so you know, all these players choke. Not all the time, but from time to time, everybody chokes. So there's no uh, magic way that you won't choke. And it doesn't mean you're not, you know, the, the champions don't choke and you do. If you watch the, the, the tournaments, you will see that when a player gets 30-40 on the opponent's serve, when they get break point, you just watch how often they miss the serve return or how often they miss early in the point. 
And the reason they do that is because they choke. That's why. Okay, because they have a chance for a service break. They want that point a lot, and and they can't. I mean, the trouble with tennis is, or any sport is no matter how hard you try and how well you train and what great a shape you're in, you still can't be sure you're going to win, and you can't be sure you're going to win any particular point. And when you want to win the point too much, you don't perform well. You know, it's, it's, it's best to to not get into the score. For most people, it's generally better not to focus entirely on the score or too much on the score and to focus more on watching the ball and relaxing and your game plan and getting yourself in a good emotional state and so forth rather than i got to win this point. It's 30-40 service break for me and I'll win the set. When you start thinking like that, then you have difficulty. You're more likely to choke unless you're uh, confident, unless, unless you think you can beat the person and you're not worried. You know, when, when I played matches, if I thought I was going to beat the guy, and I was very conservative, but when I thought I was going to win and I was confident, I didn't choke. You know, 30-40, I played just fine. <laughs> you know, it was when I played the guy that I thought was better than me, when I had a chance for an upset. Uh, that's when I was more likely to choke. But if I was confident, played someone I didn't think was that good, yeah, sure, then it's easy. <laughs> so what you're saying basically is that uh, even the great players have uh, difficulty with finishing Then It's not just a recreational player. It's every player at sometimes going to have prob- difficulty in finishing. Uh, and I misinterpreted that. Yeah, the champions even. I mean, example, uh, those of you that watched the U.S. Open, I think maybe two or three years ago, Roger Federer was serving for the match against against Djokovic. Actually, he served for the match against Djokovic twice and choked and lost both of them. Okay. On one of them, and one of them I think it was 5-3 in the fifth, and, and Federer was serving, and he was up 40-15. He had two match points. Djokovic was favored, I think, in the match. Federer, at this stage, is a bit over the hill. And he's, he's pressing it, but he's still darn good. He's good enough. Uh, and I don't know if you remember that one. The, the, the first point at, at 40-15, he served wide to Djokovic's forehead, and Djokovic hit about a million-mile-an-hour service return winner. Really? Remember that yeah. one, John? I remember yeah, it. He hit a million-mile-an-hour. I remember hour. it well. Okay, but but what really happened in that, and this is my opinion, is Federer was not that confident. He served wide to Djokovic's forehand, but he didn't serve wide enough. Okay, he he was a little conservative. He wanted to be sure to get the first serve in, so he didn't he didn't make Djokovic reach far enough. So it, the ball went into Djokovic's strike zone, and so Djokovic was able to just to drill it. That was point mm-hmm. one. You know, that was, uh, was that a choke? Well, he got conservative. He didn't miss it, but he was conservative. The, the second one, yeah, he didn't go for the, the ace. Just the guy's not going to touch it. Go wider still. The next one, he, he, he again was conservative, and he, I think he hit a body serve. He didn't go for the ace. Uh, Federer's best serve, by the way, in the ad court, when he wants the point the most, he's going to serve down the center. That's his ace. That's his most uh, secure serve. But in this case, he served into the body, which is an easier serve for him to hit. Okay, it's a safe one. And Djokovic kind of just pooped it back. It landed at the service line. I don't know if you remember that one. Ball lands at the service line. Federer has the, the easy forehand for him. I mean, that's under normal circumstances, bye-bye. You know, it's an easy shot for him when he's feeling good. But in this case, remember, it hit the top of the net, and it it didn't go in the net. It popped up and landed, and Djokovic had an easy passing shot, and he passed him. Okay? That was also a choke. Now, when when the pros choke, they don't choke like you and I choke, where they just get paralyzed. And the ball, you know, they, they're afraid to hit it, and, and it bounces before it gets to the net. When they choke, 
they just miss it a little bit. Their timing is just off a little. And so they'll go for the down the line winner and they'll hit it wide by six inches. Doesn't look like a choke. It looks like they just missed it. But no, it was a choke. <laughs> That's why they missed it. When they feel good, they right. don't miss it. Uh, and so had, had, had Federer not been choking, he would have knocked that forehand off. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know he felt the pressure in another way. And that is what happened after the choke. After Djokovic got back to Deuce, all right, Federer was never in the match again. I think nope. Federer lost that game, and he lost every other game. And, 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 mm-hmm. and Djokovic ran out the match. Okay. Now, Federer didn't miss every ball, but he got a little discouraged. He got a little, I, I, I don't know what happened. I assume a little negative, which that's very common. After, after people choke, what they will tend to do is get a little negative, like, I had my chance and I blew it. And they know it. Federer knew very well that he blew it. Okay. But, he, you know, you don't really blow it when you choke and lose, and lose a point or two. You blow it when when it affects you, and and then you let the other person uh, get control of the match. You're not in there anymore. Uh, I'll tell you who's really good after they choke, which is which they choke very often, is Serena. Serena is the great, the best after choke player I ever saw. All right. Of course, she better be because she chokes plenty. Uh, yeah. When she's ahead, she chokes. Yeah. But what she's very good at is she'll choke, she'll be ahead, she'll choke. The other person will will catch up, maybe get ahead of her. Now she's not ahead anymore. And people tend to choke when they're ahead, not when they're behind. When they're behind, they get discouraged. And so, But Serena is very good at not getting discouraged when she gets behind. And so she gets behind. She's not choking anymore. Then she comes back. And so she's very tough when she's down normally, or she was when, you know, she's getting a little, uh, they say in Australia, long in the tooth, getting a little old, <laughs> a little older now. You know, she may not, may not be able to pull it off. I mean, like Serena, when she's not choking, nobody really has a chance against her. Uh, I've never seen anybody as good as Serena is mm-hmm. as far as Serena has everything. I mean, Serena's got the best serve that women's tennis has ever seen. Uh, I, you know, I've heard maybe some of the old great players had good serve, not like Serena. I mean, no. Serena's serve relative to the women is about like Isner's is relative to the men. I mean, it's a murderous weapon. <laughs> murderous. Nobody else's serve is even close to it. Okay. Point one. No question. Point. Point. Yeah. You know, she when she's feeling good, she'll ace the girl three times a game. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that's very hard to break serve when the other girl's acing you every time. And 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 most of the women, uh, they don't have much of an advantage on their own serve at all. I mean, on their second serve, they are often disadvantaged. So Serena is in another league with the serve. Secondly, she runs as fast or faster than any other woman in the game. So she, she has the speed of any of them. She's as fast as Hennon was, and she's as fast as, 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 uh, as anybody. Okay. And number, th- and number three, she hits the ball as hard or harder and as well as anybody. Yeah. Nobody yeah. hits it any better. I mean, she hits it as hard and as well as Sharapova. Okay, uh, yeah. but unfortunately, Sharapova can't run and she can't serve. And so, uh, how can Sharapova beat Serena? <laughs> you know, she's yeah. terribly disadvantaged. The only way she does it is if Serena chokes. You know, and 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 uh, the other gals, they may run as fast, but they can't hit as hard. And certainly, none of them can serve as well. So, if Serena, uh, you know, feels good and she's not choking, I mean, the other girls pretty much a dead person yeah so the match is over there's no two ways about it the match is then over if that's the case yeah and i'm let me ask you a question yeah i'm sorry go ahead no i was just going to say you know the typical serena match that i'm thinking of was when she played azarenka in the finals of the u.s open about three years ago okay this is the typical serena match because she's playing for all kinds of records and money and so forth and so 
she wins the first set pretty comfortably, maybe 6-3, 6-2 could have been. But, you know, really Azarenka couldn't do anything against her. Now Serena's up a set. It's in the final. And now Serena starts to think, oh, one more set and I win the Open. You know, all right. the publicity she's been getting and everything. So, of course, she chokes and loses the second set. Then in the third set, she's not choking as much, but she's still tight. And Azarenka gets ahead of her. And Azarenka, at, I think, either 5-3 or 5-4 is serving for the match. I don't know if you remember this one, John. But Azarenka I remember, serves yep. for the match. Azarenka serves for the match in the third set. And at that point, of course, Serena's back's to the wall. And she's, she's not choking anymore. And she just blows through her. I mean, Azarenka has no chance of holding serve. I think she loses it at 15 or something. <laughs> she loses serve. Serena holds, blows her out, match over. <laughs> it was yep. one of those matches. You know, she chokes, and then she, the other girl's got a chance. I, I don't know how many times I've seen the, the opponent serve for the match against Serena and lose. Yeah, lose. That's yeah. like very, very common. You, yeah, you, you get her down, you got to watch it. That's when she's really dangerous. Although, she shows, I'm, I'm yeah, not sure there's anything anybody can do about it. Huh? So she is a fighter. There's no two ways about that. And uh, and I think yeah, that's she's a something you need. Nope. You know, earlier, I'd like yeah, to hear your opinion on something. Earlier, you talked about the difference in uh, sports and the respect and tennis area. And, of course, coming from, uh, I related when you were talking about three-point shoot and everything, because in the days when I was coaching basketball, if I had a big man that wasn't doing anything and I'm behind now and I know I've got to catch up, I would take that person out, put the three-point shooter in. And there's changes made, being made. The women's tennis has made a change. What do you think about the idea of coaching and professional uh tennis and being able to go on the coach. Are you for that, against that? And what are the pros and cons do you think of that? Well, I'm against it, of course, because I'm old. But uh, (laughs) the women, (laughs) yeah, we old guys, we like it the way it was. Because if I was a boxing guy, I'd probably want to see it where they don't don't stop until somebody can't come out of the corner anymore. But... uh, yeah, in women's tennis in recent years, they've allowed uh, the coach to come down between games on changeovers and talk to the player. I don't like that. Uh, and, and, and here's why I don't like it. To me, tennis, you know, it's not the physical part of tennis that I find the most interesting. And, and in fact, it's almost recently a little boring, the physical part. I mean, it's not – I mean, everybody hits the ball, you know, really hard, and, and they right. can hit every shot really hard. And so you get these rallies where they're whacking it this way and whacking it that way. And just the strokes themselves, it's sort of repetitious, you know. So the stroke itself is not that interesting. What's interesting is, is what they do under pressure and how they handle themselves and how they take it when they make mistakes, you know, whether they can – you know, choke and, and come back like Serena, like Serena does. And so uh, uh, to me, it's a mental game as much as a physical game. And, and I don't like the idea of a coach being able to hold you by the butt and keep you in there when you, as the player, might be weak. I mean, to me, that's part of the game. I mean, I don't want somebody, I don't want, uh, like in basketball, you can substitute a guy if he's not playing well. All right. Right. Well, uh, that would be the same. I don't like. I wouldn't like the idea in tennis if if your your game is off to have somebody come out and play for you. Then, you know, I I think you got to figure it out yourself. I mean, that's the difficult parts of tennis are are the mental thing. How you handle how you handle it when things are going wrong or your game is off. And 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 I don't think the coach, uh, you know, should help you. I think. And, and one of the things I used to think when I was playing, I remember when things were going wrong, the thought would enter my mind, Alan, you know, nobody is going to come out here on the court and save you. Yeah. There's no, no one can help you. 
you've you, you got to figure it out or you're going to lose. You know, you don't get panicky. You, you don't, you, you know, just stick to a dumb game plan. You've got to figure it out yourself. You know, think it over and, 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 and under pressure, you've got to use your head. And so, uh, so I don't like the coaching. I think the guy needs to figure it out. If he's got a bad game plan, he needs to see that himself. To me, that's part of the game. You know, if you're done. Well, that's why I was wondering because I, I see the uh, player part of you in there, but I also respect the sports psychology, um, you know, psychology part of you. And I was just wondering, uh, you know, if you felt there was something you could offer to help at that time, because I mean, I, 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 I mean, I don't feel I could do it because I don't think I'm qualified to uh, to do it. I think it takes well, somebody with special training. I could, but but the deal is, like for instance, when I was coaching Pepperdine, yes, I could go out on the court and coach between games, and I could coach during the game. You could stand in college sense behind the fence and tell the guy what to do. <laughs> okay, right. uh, and and and. And that's fine. But, I mean, the, the deal is there. It was a team sport at Pepperdine, uh, even though it's an individual sport. I mean, I, as the coach, uh, had, a, had, had, had a record and a job to perform, and my job was for the team to win. And so part of it was me. I mean, I, I, I was uh, involved in the win-loss aspect of it. Okay, that, that's one thing. If it, you know, in coaching Davis Cup, because it's a team deal, but in a tournament, in an individual tournament, it isn't a team deal. It's not a coach deal. It's a player deal. And so, the, you know, it's, it's not like basketball where the coach is an integral part of it. You know, the, the mm-hmm. coach is the one that gets the credit for the whole thing. And so, of, of course, and, and, and the coach uh, has a lot to do with the team winning. You know who he puts in and uh, how what what strategy he tells the team to use and so forth. That's fine. The coach should get the credit. But in tennis, the individual gets the credit, and the individual, in which case, ought to do the work. So I don't well, I don't like I, coaching in tennis. I want to see the guts of the player. I want to see how much courage the player has to take it when things go badly and see how they handle that. That to me is the essence. You know, and 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 as an aside. It, 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 I, I'm not terribly interested in watching a match where one player just plays great, blows the other player out, and that's it. I mean, the interesting no, I agree. is how a player handles adversity. How do they handle it when they come out and they're not playing well and they're behind and they're scratching just to stay even? Now, you, now, you, now I respect the player for that. That takes character. It doesn't take character to play well and blow somebody out. It takes character to play badly and hang in. So, well, I agree with you, Coach, point. and I appreciate your remarks on that, and I appreciate you explaining why, because I, you could, uh, I wasn't sure what to expect there, and I, you know, I call you off that guard, but I love the way your explanation, and I think that's what we need a discussion on, Dean. We've gone for about 45 minutes now, and uh, – I've got a couple of things I do want to. I uh, complimented uh, some people earlier, and um, now I've got to uh, uh, make some statements uh, about some things I'm unhappy about. So uh, I appreciate you being here. I look forward to seeing you, to, to talking with you again next month. Uh, I I really feel blessed to have you there. And is there any less? Minute, uh, you, you got one minute uh, for something that you would like to talk about before uh, I go on. My my last minute is is just to say goodbye, is to thank you, John, for having me. To tell you that I respect you as a person uh, because I respect your your character. Uh, for those of you that know John, you know that he's an honest, uh, legitimate character, a, a religious man. And just a good person, and so I have a lot of respect for you, John, and and I thank you for having me. And and by the way, I, uh, just uh, on a self promotion basis, my book uh, 
winning uh, the mental match, tennis winning the mental match, is available electronically on Kindle and I think on iTunes. So uh, uh, I have to keep my goals in mind, and that's one of them. So thank you, John, very much for having and, me and for the good work. And thank uh, you. And tell thank us you, and you I look do. forward to talking with you again next month. Uh, I think right, uh, I'm blessed to have these mentors going, and uh, hopefully I'm not sure yet of what Coach uh, Chuck Reese wants to talk about next week. I hope mentoring, uh, he has a great three-term mentoring program, and I feel a little bit of a failure. I've got to talk to you about in a minute. I just I do want to remind you that besides our weekly conversation here, uh, the Almighty willing, you will also be able to continue reading my views in Florida tennis, which is now in their 25th year. And as I previously expressed, if you disagree uh, with anything, uh, please be, email me at Coach Denise D A N I S E dot F H S T C A A T T dot net. And uh, who knows? Uh, I've done it before. I'll do it before, and I will share your views sometimes. So I don't say I have the best outlook on everything. I'm just giving you my truthful uh, outlook on what I've seen. I started the broadcast today uh, thanking um, the USTA Florida Tennis Campus. I know I caught some of you off guard with some of you accused me of being anti-USTA, and I, I never was. I spent eight years on the USTA Florida uh, Board of Directors, but I, when I see something I'm uncomfortable with, I will uh, say it. I talked to you about the uh, FACA workshop and how I, fantastic it was. The presenters were just fantastic. Uh, those of you that don't know Ashley Hobson, uh, uh, should find out more about them. I mean, well, all of them, uh, Mike Kuypers, Todd, all of them. But the, uh, I'm very, very disappointed that we didn't have, we had one FHSTCA officer that was there, and that's the immediate uh, past president, John Posner. Uh, I think, uh, you know, quite frankly, I, I, I think that's just, terrible. Uh, the, the, uh, I notified people in April uh, that it was there uh, where it was going to be and the timing. Uh, I did get, uh, I think in June or July, uh, don't quote me which was one of those months, some people say they didn't like the timing and they didn't think it would be good and there was some dissension. I will say the last time we had a tournament in a, a, a workshop in Orlando, at that time, it was the biggest group of, of high school tennis coaches we ever had there outside of when the FHSAA uh, used to uh, do the rules presentation. And by the way, I did invite the FHSAA to speak there, but uh, that's becoming a useless organization, too. Uh, but the, uh, I, I really believe that uh, it's time for the officers of the FHSTCA to start and think about what are you looking for? Are you looking for a title that you want? Or are you looking to support the high school students? Our athletes, our future is in high school today. Uh, at some point, and, I, and hopefully the USTA is starting to realize it, that the sleeping giant of tennis is in high school today. And at one time, college tennis was the training ground of the professionals in the United States. That was the training ground. That's where you developed the programs. And now I hear the same thing in college tennis that I heard in high school tennis, don't let your kid play there. I think that... Uh, Board should really consider resigning because I'm just not uh, uh, I'm just not sure you know what they're doing or how if they want to be on the board that they can't participate in the workshop. So uh, I hate this and negatively. I know I started very positively and I uh, I believe in staying positive. I thought about how I could sandwich this with a couple of positive remarks, I'm just not that smart. So I say it as I see it. Uh, we have a duty 
Uh, we've got to consider our responsibilities. And when you take on a title, you have responsibilities that go with that. And if you're not willing to accept those responsibilities, then shame on you. Get out of the bullpen. Thank you. Tell your friends that we will be on Chuck Greasy next week. Have a blessed week, and I, will, I look forward to talking with you again next week. Bye now.